Hey, pal, what's your policy on making special orders? All right, Buster. That's it. You want a special order? Then you make it. I quit. How would I? You know, I try and I try. There's Hold just on. no respect for anyone with vision. That, that's it. There's just nothing I can but do I... about it. Oh, wait a second. Please don't go. Four combos, extra bacon on the side, two chili I? cheese samplers, a basket of liver and onion rings, a catch of the day, and a steak cut in the shape of a trout. You got all that, honey? Three oinkers wearing pants, plate of hot air, basket of grandma's breakfast, and change the bull to a gill. Got it. What's going on? There's no time to explain. We gotta get out of here. What is he doing in there? <clears throat> Come on. In a minute. I'm still hungry. Oh, Cusco. Okay, I'll make it simple for you. I'll have a spinach omelet with wheat toast. You got it? Can do. What's taking so long? Back up. Crunk. What are you doing? Kinda busy here. Why am I not surprised? Your order's up. Oh. Oh, well. While you're at it, make me the special. And hold the gravy. Check. Back up. You know what? On second thought, make my omelet a meat pie. Meat pie. Check. Crunk. Can I order the potatoes as a side dish? I'll have to charge you full price. <sighs> hey, how about a side of potatoes, my buddy? You got it. One cheese on those potatoes. Thank you, Crunk. Cheddar will be fine. Cheddar spuds coming up. Spuds, yes. Cheese, no. Hold the cheese. No, I want the cheese. Cheese it is. Cheese me no likey. Cheese up. Cheese in. Oh, come on. Make up your mind. Okay, okay. On second thought, make, make my, my potatoes, potatoes a salad. Welcome to Stuff We've Seen. I'm your host, James Kent. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, I don't know whether you're a first-time listener or a many-times listener. Not sure how you found us, but I'm glad you did. For those who are avid listeners of the show, you will know that Teal and I are sort of self-proclaimed sub-genre completionists. We like to either get into a particular filmmaker or a sub-genre and kind of do a deep dive and try to see all the movies a particular director did or a particular weird little subgenre of a bigger genre, like a neo-noir type of thing. And we're always going on about that. Um, so here's a little tie into that story. A few episodes ago, had my friend Mike McQuilkin on and we were talking about the drive-ins and some of our childhood movie memories. And this movie came up called Child of Glass. Uh, it was a Disney TV movie from 1978, and it was something that the two of us, you know, we didn't know each other back then, but we had this shared experience of catching it on TV and wondering, what the hell is this movie, uh, and, and really liking it. But back then, not having the internet, really didn't know much about it. As a matter of fact, I think I missed the first couple of minutes of Child of Glass as a kid, so I didn't even know what it was called. Uh, and for years, I wondered, well, what is this movie? And then when the internet came along, I was able to do some weird searching and found out. But Michael, he stumbled upon a YouTube video by this person, Jess Lambert, and she was doing a review of it. And he posted that video on his Facebook page. And I, of course, I was like, oh, child of glass, I got to check this out. And what I was struck by is the person who was reviewing child of glass, she has pretty much like a site on YouTube devoted to watching 
every Disney movie ever. And I'm not talking, you know, the cartoons. I think we've all seen all of the cartoons uh, and maybe not even some of the, you know, plethora of weird 70s movies they did. But I'm talking every single movie they've ever produced. So I was immediately fascinated. And I started diving in to some of these reviews, of course, for some of the weird 70s movies that I remember seeing as a kid. And I'm like, oh, there's no way that she's watched this or that movie. There's not going to be a review uh, for, say, Gus or Super Dad, is there? But lo and behold, there was. Um, so I was so fascinated by a person's devotion to this particular endeavor that I said, well, wait a minute. She'd be perfect to have on the show. So, without further ado, I have with me the person behind every Disney movie ever, Jess Lambert. Jess, are you there? Hello. <laughs> One thing is, and again, hopefully people will then go and check your site out. And the first thing that you'll be struck by is she has this amazing ability to rattle off details about a Disney movie so fast that I can't believe you can do that. It's quite incredible. Thank you. <laughs> so here's the first question. First question okay. out there is why watch every Disney movie ever? Oh, man. Because that's a lot of devotion. And man, I got to tell you, not every one of those films are winners. Oh, that's true. I started the project because I, I want to work for Disney. It's my dream to direct a Disney movie or write a Disney movie. And just work on a movie with them. I love making films. I went to school for it. And I was like, well, what better way to know Disney as a company and as their values and all of that than to watch all their movies and see how they've grown? And so I decided I wanted to watch all their movies. And I started compiling this list. And it's just the most organized <laughs> perfectionist driven list you've ever seen and it's color coded it's by date it's ridiculous you have and like a leslie note binder I, it's an excel spreadsheet and um it's like color coded by decade and by type of film and it's over you know 870 movies long and I was just going to do it. Like, I was going to do it on my own. And then my mom actually said, well, why don't you, like, post about your progress on YouTube? And I was like, wow, that's a fantastic idea. So in 2016, once I finished making the list, I decided to start doing that. And then I super fell in love with doing the entire YouTube channel and doing the series and it's so fun to see not even like the growth of Disney, but the growth of filmmaking, the trends in filmmaking. You can tell when they've dipped in popularity and when they're super popular. And it's just such an amazing project. So I think it started as me being like, I want to know Disney in and out. And like, so I can write movies for them and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And it became like, this is so fascinating and so fun. Like, I just love doing it. And, and of course, every sort of completionist, they, they have their rules. And one might say, yes. well, every theatrical <laughs> release that Disney's ever touched. But you go even a step further. You're talking yeah. every single film they produced. And I'm imagining because I really, you know, I was not the target audience for the Disney Channel in the 80s. Sure. But you're talking about the movies that they produced for their, their television channel. Yeah. So it's a little wonky. I'm doing 
all theatrical releases under the Walt Disney name, the Pixar and the Pixar name. And then I'm doing television releases that, you know, whatever they did, if it appeared on ABC or it appeared on the Disney Channel. And then I'm doing straight to home video releases. Oh, and there's a whole market that I didn't see. <laughs> yeah, I'm well, they're just starting. They're just starting now. You know, 90s was really when it started doing direct yeah. video. Um, and then I'm not doing people keep asking me. So I'm not doing touchstone pictures. Oh, that was one of my questions. I didn't know. OK, um, no one looks at pretty woman and thinks, oh, that's a Disney movie. You know, like at least I'm not doing touchstone pictures currently. Maybe one day when I catch up to Disney movies, I'll conquer another list. So do you hear that competitors out there? You're <laughs> free to start your every touchstone movie ever. Yeah, there you go. And then currently I'm not doing Lucasfilm and Marvel, but I've been weighing on about it for a while um, and I might do them. So well, I mean, you have time. I mean, this is four years, four years you've been doing this. It's amazing. Well, what's crazy is I'm about to hit 400 at the end of this month. Wow. And 97 is the year I hit by 400. So I've gone from 1937 to 1997 in four years. And next year when I hit, so from 400 to 800, we only go two decades. That's Compared incredible. to covering five decades, like- it's crazy. I, I, you know, I, I'm kind of a little bit speechless because when you put it that way, it's yeah. um, remarkable that they've doubled their output in 20 oh, years. Yeah. I mean, like, I, sometimes I get sick of a decade like, or I get sick of a year. Like, I think it was the 80s. They really like they f- fell flat in the 80s. There was not a lot of movies. But in the 70s, there was like one year in the 70s that there was just the sheer amount of movies that came out in one of the years i was like can we be done with like 1977 like why is it still happening <laughs> now now can, let, let's stop there for one second in the 70s and i have a question mm-hmm. i do not want to bore you because i think i'm dealing with an expert here but how <laughs> i know that you're obviously an expert in seeing every movie to, ever but how how much are you invested in understanding the dynamics of what was happening to the disney corporation in the 70s so i was you know, slightly aware. I'm much more aware of what was happening to the studio just before the Renaissance. Because it was in bad shape. (laughs) You know, I know the 70s, after Walt died, because Walt just started to kind of lose faith in animation, he was even leaning more toward live action. So I think in the 70s, you know, they kept the animation department alive and they did some bangers like Aristocats and Winnie the Pooh and Robin Hood and all of those. I love them. Like, I think they're amazing. But, you know, it was a weaker time. And then they just they just were pumping out live action comedies for kids as fast as they could on the same sets with the same actors And I just know it was they wanted to get the most with the least. Like, they were not giving these films big budgets. And, like, I know that stuff. Well, you know, like those studio beach pictures and stuff that happened in the 60s. That was kind of how Disney, when it came to movies, was still operating in the 70s. They were really that last studio that was, oh, here's a back lot. And we're just going to churn out these little nuggets. Oh, it was it was like getting (laughs) when I would watch, like, you know the shaggy da and then i would turn around and watch no deposit no return 
I'd be like, oh, that's the exact same street. Like, yeah. they didn't even try to make it look different. There's the same Chinese restaurant with the same actor who played the Chinese restaurant owner. Like, It's funny you mentioned that because when you said Chinese restaurant, I did watch because I went and did see some of the reviews you did of some of these 70s movies. Mm-hmm. And not a lot of these films have I ever revisited after my youth. Uh, but they made an impression on me. I mean, sometimes I was five or six years old and I'm seeing these yeah, well. releases when they gave them to me. So my parents, you know, you didn't go, kids didn't see PG movies even. Those were a lot yeah. of like adult themed things. If it was geared towards kids, it was rated G. Yeah, And absolutely. for me, it really didn't start to change until Star Wars in 77. Because like two years before when Jaws came out, I was yeah. five and my grandmother at the time drove me to the theater to mm-hmm. see Bambi. Nice. And they were doing a release of that. And Yeah, they did a lot of re-releases in the 70s. All the time. You have this constant rotation of them yep. releasing a classic animated yep. feature and yep. then sometimes they'd even pair it with one of their, um, yeah. their new 70s things that none of them very, did well at all. <laughs> so we get there, the theater, and it was sold out. And of course, a five-year-old kid's crying. And all I did was stare across from the Bambi poster at this poster of a woman swimming and a big shark. And yes. I said to my grandmother, I want to see that. And she's oh, like, God. no, you cannot see that. <laughs> so I couldn't yeah. see Jaws and I couldn't see Bambi. And I had to go see that uh, another time. And that would happen all the time. These kid matinees, we call them. My, sure. my other grandmother, my, we'd go with her. And I was desperate to see Freaky Friday. And oh, yeah, we yeah. went on like a half a day at school, sold out. And I was all crying. I'm like, why does this theater have to be sold out? And then I Uh-oh. complained until they took me back to see it again because I had to see Freaky Friday, which I thought was the greatest movie of all time until I saw Star Wars. <laughs> and now these Classic. films, you look at them differently. So I was obsessed with seeing this film that I saw a preview for on TV called One of Our Dinosaurs is Missing. Oh, God. I know. And I say that because I watched your review. Oh, God. I was only like, you know, it came out in 76, I think. So, Oh, yeah. I mean, you're a child. I mean, it was a movie of its time for sure. I didn't have Jurassic Park at my age. So I had had that instead. And I only remembered really one thing. And it was sort of, I guess, to the end where there was some kind of car chase and the dinosaur was sticking out of a truck or something. (laughs) Yes. And that's on a flatbed. Yeah. And then I didn't see it again for years. And I kind of, one of those things where I thought, oh, it didn't exist. And I I feel like it was now 15, 20 years ago when it was on TV and I caught five minutes. And of course, my jaw dropped at how awful racist it was. Oh my gosh. Um, And and that is, you know, you do a great job talking about that. Thank you. Oh, thank you very much. Of of the fact that this, uh, in a lot of films, characters who are Asian were played by white people. And it's horrible. Yeah. And and even if it was played by an Asian person, they were caricatures. So stereotyped and just offensively. So. And I think that's one of the things that's interesting that I'm sure you've experienced, and maybe it's a little unpleasant at times, is the sure. Disney, the the way Disney handles race throughout their history in films is either non-existent or problematic, or you oh. know, in the case of uh, Song of the South, just. Like, whoa. Yeah. Yeah. So people like there are people that get very mad at me about the one of our dinosaurs is missing video because they're like, oh, well, you didn't even review it. You just stood on a soapbox. And I'm like, okay, well, I did review it. I said it was terrible because it's bad. But I understand that movies were made at a certain time 
when, you know, it's not now where people are much more aware of that and what's correct. And I'm aware of that, but I think it's important to point out Disney's past faults because how are they going to be held to keep improving? Because they have gotten light years better than they used to be. I mean, Peter Pan, the Native Americans were drawn with actual oh, red. Yes. Actual red. Like, that is so not okay. Now, when did you see films like that? And and did you first see them as a kid and maybe didn't pick yeah. up on oh, these? Yeah, yeah. And then you look at it later with a different lens? No. So Peter Pan was never my favorite growing up. I wasn't a big Peter Pan fan. I saw it when I was little and then it was like, yeah, okay, whatever. Like, I don't care. <laughs> I was much more like Little Mermaid, Aladdin, you know, the Renaissance. I was born in 93. So like Lion King 2 was my jam. Like, <laughs> And I have never seen a Lion King 2. I have seen the Lion King yeah, in its well, second version a couple like last year, which I didn't ew. like that. I did not. You didn't like it either? I didn't no. Know. Oh, my God. <laughs> Live action remake my butt. Yeah, but, animated. Yet, but yet I was excited because I thought that the same director did a great job with the Jungle Book. John Favreau is incredible. He also directed the Iron Man movies. Of course. He, and he's in them. He's happy. I love John Favreau. I think he's an excellent director. He just got inducted into the Disney Hall of Fame. I think it's well-deserved. But uh, yeah, the live-action Lion King, it was just the same exact movie. <laughs> like, So it was like, I mean, okay. <laughs> like, Yeah, I could just rewatch the cartoon. I don't think it should have been remade. I, I don't... Like, out of the ones they're remaking, I get it. Like, to make an animated princess movie now live-action, like, okay, fine. Fun. I get it. I loved Aladdin a lot, but... And I love Cinderella. Cinderella's my favorite. <laughs> Which one um, of the, the live-action or you're talking the about the cartoon? the live-action remakes, Cinderella's my favorite, for mm. sure, hands down. It's so magical and captures everything. I did see that in the theater. My two boys, mm -hmm. a few years ago, they were much younger. And they're still young, but they're out of... I mean, they don't even want to watch a Pixar movie anymore. Um, oh, so, like, no. my wife and I... Yeah, I know. Tragic. Uh, it's, well, kids, that that's that yeah, small absolutely. age. I mean, and I get it. They don't have the same magic that you and I have. <laughs> um, but what, now going back to that, so would you say that your two like favorite Disney movies are The Lion King and The Little Mermaid? No. Oh, oh no. Well, tell me what the, what your favorites are. That's all. It's oh, one of okay. my questions so, on the list. Normally, when people ask me what my favorite Disney movie is, <laughs> my response is I haven't watched them all. I'll let you know. <laughs> oh, I like that because of my project, because of what I'm doing. Do you want to know what mine is? Yes, absolutely. Treasure Matacumbe. No, it's not. No but way, really? I, no, oh, my God. I, it isn't, but I saw that when it first- I, It was paired so with the Apple Dumpling Gang. Oh, no. <laughs> I think the Apple Dumpling Gang had already come out, but no. it was a double bill, and my parents had to go somewhere, and my dad's twin brother took my sister and I, mm -hmm. and I was really excited to see the Treasure of Matagumbe because of the commercial and that song. And then it was a snooze fest, and I was very sad. Nah, compared to a bunch of other movies in the 70s, Treasure of Matacumbe was, you know, it was slow, but it was still pretty good. Well, it was never, never a dull moment, which I also saw your review because I was tortured as a child having to go see that. And I'm like, what is this movie? Oh it is the God. worst. Oh my, I haven't thought about Never a Dull Moment probably since I covered it. And the second you said that, I, I was taken back to my LA apartment sitting on my bed watching Dick Van Dyke and Never a Dull Moment and being like, "What? why? That was supposed to be for kids? <laughs> why did they do this to him? Like, Dick oh. Van Dyke was, you know, Bert and Mary Poppins. Like, he was so fun. And then they just kept putting him in bad movies. Like, Lieutenant Robin Crusoe. Oh, no. Yeah. These why are, would they do this to him? 
And then there was like another one that was geared to kids that I had to see as a little child that I thought was terrible. And maybe if I watch it again, I was like, oh, well, I didn't understand it, but it was Super Dad. I hated that. Oh, God. No, it's terrible. It's awful. I thought it was going to be about a superhero. When you no. say super mm-hmm. to a kid and there's no superhero, you don't want to see it. Also, he's not even a super dad. He's mediocre at best. Yeah. You know, the, the late Bob Crane, which in a weird side note, I used to live in Arizona and we lived only a few miles away from the hotel where he died. Oh, my God. <laughs> I know. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. yeah That's except for, sad, but funny. Yes. But then what's what well, there's like all oh, these other movies as a kid that I had to see. Uh, well, the Shaggy D.A., that was a big one yeah. that I enjoyed as a kid. Mm-hmm. I didn't like the cat from outer space. And I kept on, for some yeah, reason, it was paired yeah. at the drive-ins and I'd have to see yeah. it over and over again. Cat from outer space, was that's actually the behind the scenes video I told you that's really in depth is actually about the cat from outer space. I didn't get a chance to check that, but I figured at this point I was like, I can't stump her. She's, she's obviously had to have reviewed it. <laughs> Well, that's funny that you say that because I went to this like really tiny little like fair in middle of nowhere, Wisconsin, and there was this guy selling all these oh old DVDs and he had a ton of like old school, no one knows Disney movies. And I picked, I don't know which one I picked up. I don't know. Journey of Natty Gan, maybe. And I was like, oh my gosh, I love this movie. It's so incredible. And he was like, you know what the Journey of Natty Gan is? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. And he was like... Oh, okay. And he starts picking up Disney movies that are like unknown. And he's like, have you seen this? And he like would hand it to me. Come over here. I got the cat from outer space. And I'd I'd be like, oh yeah, definitely. And I would like list off facts about it. And he would be like, what? Like he pulls out the world's greatest athlete. And I'm like, oh yeah, John Amos, John Michael Vincent. Yes, that's a good one. That's pretty good. And he'd be like, what? Like, how do you know what this is? And I was just like, I, I have a channel. This is what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, The Journey of Natty Gant, that was one of the very first movies my wife and I rewatched when it was on Disney+. Plus. Oh, my God. It's so good. I've actually, um, Meredith Salinger, is, I follow her on Twitter. And when I covered that movie, I tweeted her and said, you know, you're amazing in this film. And what was your favorite part of working on it? And she actually tweeted me back. And said her favorite part of working on it was the wolf, hands down. And I was like, well, that makes sense. You know what I also like about it? That when we talk about the, the transition of Disney, there are things that happen in that movie that a Disney film would never have today. Yeah. One, for example, is like, you know, she's living in the Depression era and she's just like rough and tumble kid. And mm. there's like a scene at the beginning of her smoking. That would never happen in a oh, Disney yeah, movie Oh, yeah, yeah, in the bathroom with the boys. Yeah. yeah. There's just no way. Sure. I don't know why that made me think of Tex, but... Oh my God, Tex is great! Half the stuff Matt Dillon does in Tex, I don't think... Unless they rated it PG-13 and made it similar to like a Pirates movie or something, then maybe they would do it, but... Well, that's another Essie Hinton, and I think yeah, oh my it God. probably came out before PG-13. Oh yeah, absolutely, because in the Temple of Doom hadn't come out yet. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. So that was a PG. I saw that at the drive-ins. Yeah, no, a Tex is incredible. Matt Dillon, I'm blown away. The scene yeah. at the payphone, I forever wrecked. What I didn't know is that that was a Disney movie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're going to be the go-to. Okay. Is this a Disney movie? Any questions? Come for come to me. I want to. I, I would like. I'd love to stump you, but I really feel like I can't. Well, you can if it's past the date I've watched. 
So a lot of people, like, you know, if people share those, mark every animated movie you've seen, like, out of, you know, it's like, I haven't seen Bolt. So it's like, okay, you got me. Well, now let's see. So that's interesting because you, I would take it, don't have little children of your own, right? No, yeah, no. Right. But Bolt came out when I did have my uh, younger son and we watched that when, you know, it was available on Blu-ray, so. I still go see movies, like, obviously, (laughs) Well, that was another question I was going to ask. Okay, so just let's take a side trip out of Disney for a moment. Okay. You're obviously a movie fan as well, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You tend to go to the movies and see non-Disney things too, right? Sure. Oh, yeah, sure. Besides Disney, what what are some of the genres or types of films that you like? Um, I, I mean, I like pretty much anything. The only thing I really don't have a taste for is like horror. I'm not really into that. Like, I don't, not that I like get super scared, although there have been movies that have scared me, but it's just like a lot of the time I'm like, okay, I don't care. I'm I'm scratching you off of my Halloween episode right now. (laughs) I mean, like, I love Jaws, but that's not really like horror. No, I don't consider that. And then, yeah, no, same. But yeah, I'm not huge on horror, but otherwise I'll watch pretty much anything. I, you know, I went to film school, so like, I know I've said that, but like. She went to film school, people. Yeah, and I sound like such a pretentious patoot when I say it, but, you know, you have to study a bunch of different genres. Like, I took a film class where I had to write an essay about Westerns and, like... (laughs) So, Apple Dumpling Gang and Apple Dumpling Gang rides again. No, no, actually, it was, you know, more, you know, John Wayne stuff and stuff like that, like The Searchers and all that stuff. Now, where did you go to school? I went to Columbia College, Chicago. Now, what's your favorite Chicago-based setting movie? Oh, oh my God. <laughs> I'm sorry. You I don't not- know why my first reaction was The Lake House <laughs> starring <Okay>. Sandra Bullock <laughs> yes. and Keanu Reeves, but that was my first reaction. Right. Probably shot in uh, Canada. No, they shot in Chicago. Oh, they did? Yeah, that takes place in Chicago. I mean, I'm sure some of it isn't in Chicago because of the like Lake House scenes or whatever, but they shot, the, they are driving on Lakeshore Drive. She works at a hospital in the city. And the Daily Center is a big... Right. Part of that movie. So like, and he walks under the LL. Wow. I really love that movie. Um, <laughs> anyway, I don't know. I mean, like the Batman movies technically take place in Chicago That's and the true. new Superman movies use Chicago as Metropolis. And those are fun. Now, out of the Disney movies you have seen. Okay. What film, and this would be one where you didn't really say have any preconceived notions about, you didn't know much about okay. it. Which one impressed you the most? Like, impress me technically? I don't know, it doesn't matter. I mean, anything. You're just like, afterwards, you're like, whoa, I wasn't expecting it to be that good, you know? The Probably the first film that, like, I had I had never seen, had no preconceived notions about, that absolutely just, like, blew me away emotionally was a television release called Almost Angels. It, it was my first number one. I do a top ten best every year. Oh. Almost Angels is about the Vienna Boys Choir, and uh, it's about a little boy who wants to sing and be in the choir and he find like he gets accepted into the school and he kind of like has to find his footing and there's another boy who's like the star but he's starting to hit puberty and when the boys hit puberty it's kind of a death sentence at right. the school and stuff and uh i don't know just the relationship between those two boys like really struck me and i just loved it so much i thought it was so good <laughs> what year was that 
Ooh, uh, 60, 60 something, 66. And Haley Mills wasn't in it? No, no. Uh, it was on TV. It was so big for me as a kid, the Haley Mills movies that were Yeah, Disney. but it is on Disney Plus if you feel okay. like watching Almost Angels. So is that like a, sort of a gift to you in your quest that oh suddenly like, whoa, I've been scrounging <laughs> for cat from outer space <laughs> well um most of the time i just like i'd either find the movie because some people like some of these are just like up on youtube and i'm like wow how right. is this happening um but most part i would just like i'd rent them off amazon or you know for the ones that i can't find any other way i would buy it and disney plus has definitely uh helped and saved me money on having to rent and buy movies 100 percent. yeah but they don't have a couple of things that i thought for sure they would and was the very first things that i searched for so strange absolutely and so two of the films and they were 80s movies and maybe they'll come up i mean i'm assuming that Mm -hmm. they'll add things is something wicked this way comes oh so good i had to buy that and watcher in the woods had to buy that too. I own both of them. I'm so happy both of them were good. I hate buying movies that are bad. Yeah. I mean, these were big films. My wife's yeah. about five years younger than me. So the early 80s was a big influence time for her. Yeah. And we both went to search for those and they were, aren't available. So Disney, get on the stick. Well, um, I, I had to purchase both of them. And Watcher in the Woods, I that was a movie that surprised me because I was like, oh, good, a scary movie. Like th- that's right when they started finally doing like holiday themed movies. Like they were going to start doing like, oh, here's a Halloween movie and here's a Christmas movie. Like they hadn't right. been doing that. And uh, I was like, oh, man, I hope it's, you know, because I read a, like I was researching it and read that it was kind of like a train wreck of a production. Yes, that's correct. I really liked it. I thought they really did a great job of making it really like eerie and a little bit creepy with the, you know, feeling like the people are being watched. And I thought it was fun. Well, that's the thing that I thought Disney did well. They sort of understood what a kid can find scary and yeah, as an absolutely. adult, it may not be that, you know, chilling. But I'll tell you, when I was a little kid, oh, yeah. I found uh, Escape to Witch Mountain really scary. <laughs> I know that you reviewed that. Oh, I, I could get that. Like the dog scene? That's terrifying. Yeah. And I just, there was something cool about the two kids being able to communicate with each other, uh, you know, telepathically. And Yeah, yeah. Well, and like drawing on the mirrors and stuff like that. Yeah. And yet by the time they made the sequel... It was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> they went through that period where, again, in the late 70s, it was sort of like, oh, we got to crank out another one of these, but they just didn't really care. Well, and I think it was like the first sequel was direct, like it was television. And then I think they did a third sequel that might have been direct to video or it was another television sequel. And then they did the remake. For the, the, the 90s one or the? Yeah, the 95, 90s one. And, and I never then saw the that. 2009 Race to Witch Mountain will happen. Yeah, I saw that and I saw that. Uh, I, I, I saw Race to Witch Mountain when it came out and I have very little memories of it, even though I was like 14. So like I should totally remember it. But yeah, the uh, Beyond Witch Mountain and what is the third Retur- one called? Well, there was Return Returned, to Witch Mountain. Return to Witch that Mountain. That was the one that was in, it was in theaters, but I already as oh, a kid. Oh, wow, really? Oh, yeah. But I was I knew they were in trouble because back when I was a kid, they didn't have the like the 20-plex they had. The multiplex sure. was there was a six theater in my uh-huh. town, and then there was a twin. Uh, and that eventually got split into four. And then the one that was in my town eventually grew up to like, you know, 12 or something. And now it's sure. like 20 screens. And then they closed the twin and they, you know, open a bigger one. So, mm-hmm. I mean, we have tons available to us today. But if a movie didn't make it to either one of those and went out to like a little bit further afield into some of the smaller theaters, mm-hmm. 
I kind of dismissed it saying, oh, it must not be that good because my theater didn't want it. And that was the case with the Witch Mountain sequel. It didn't come out and then it never came to the drive-ins that year. It was a weird thing where a new release didn't usually go to the drive-ins. Mm-hmm. Unless it was specifically like some low budget crap that they were putting out for the drive-ins. <laughs> sure. And so you had a hope that next year it got picked up. And so I just never saw that until many years later it mm-hmm. showed up on, you know, the world of Disney as a yeah. a showing. And I was kind of horrified at how bad it was. Yeah. They're, the first one's great. <laughs> and then uh, the next two are terrible. And then the 95 remake was fine. It was pretty good. Like, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't as bad as the two sequels. Now, is there a movie in your quest that you were really looking forward to? And mm-hmm. re- and then in the end, you watch it and you were so disappointed. Ooh, I don't know if there was. I know there have been movies in where in my videos I say I was looking forward to this and I'm disappointed. I can definitely think of movies that. I went in with very low expectations and was surprised, but I can't think of a movie where I went in with high expectations and was like super disappointed. I mean, I can definitely tell you about movies where I went in with like, okay, like, let's see how this is. And then I came out like, oh no, (laughs) just why? Or I can tell you movies I went in with (laughs) being like, oh, I bet this will be bad. And then it was just... (laughs) Like um, the Devlin Max Devlin. Oh, I was so excited to see that in the theater, and I made my parents take oh me, and it was God. not very good. Oh, it's just how the irony is just unreal. Disney would con you with these trailers, and I would fall for it every time. I wanted to see Condor Man, and we went to the oh, drive-ins no. and saw that. that. Actually, okay, that could definitely be a movie where. I went in being like, oh, cool, a superhero, finally. And then it was just, why on earth would you do this? Now, what about Tron, the first one? I love Tron. What was your, what is your experience seeing Tron? Like, was this a childhood favorite or how do you come to that? Uh, I Yeah, I've seen Tron since I was little. I think when I was little, it was more about a tiny crush on Jeff Bridges than <laughs> it was about me understanding everything that was going on. I did really enjoy like the unique look of Tron compared to, you know, I mean, because the effort that went into the look is incredible. But finally, like sitting down and the thing I love so much about this project is sitting down to watch a movie I've seen a thousand times. I have to like watch it diligently and with like this whole critical eye that sometimes the movie can like surpass my old feeling about it. So I feel like Tron... I liked growing up and then I like learned about it and watched it and was like, this movie is just like so good and incredible. I'm blown away. So as part of your project, if you come across a film that's next on your list and you've already seen it, you won't be like, oh, great. I can just kind of I can just uh, fake it. You actually will rewatch that movie. Oh, yeah. No, 100 percent. I need to like take screenshots. I need to take notes with a critical eye this time. And yeah, absolutely. I mean, are you doing this as sort of as exact order as you can? Or is that not always Um, possible? Or it's in chronological order by year. So I'll move around in a year if I have to. Okay. So like, you know, if I have a guest that wants to be in like, like right now, right now I have a guest who wants to be in Hercules and Hercules is coming out in September and um, he can't 
film with me, you know, the week that I would technically, if I were just going in order, be filming Hercules, but Hercules is in 1997 and all the movies surrounding Hercules are in 1997. So I can move Hercules to like the end of September so I can film with this guest. I gotcha. You know, like it's not that big of a deal, but if I have to move it out of a year, like, no, I don't, I'm not doing that. Okay. So you're not that much of a stickler that it has to be, nope, this is the next film and it's now because- I don't even think, when I made it, I just did it by year. Like, I don't even think- it's in order by month, you know, like. Still, it must be tough because some years are probably better than others, right? Oh. <laughs> you know, and how do you keep yes. that momentum up when you're like, I just want to get to 2000. There's so many goodies and I have to wait. I think having the schedule, it just really helps. Like, you know, I, I put out two videos a week and I'll get to 2000 when I get to 2000. <laughs> you know, like. Are there, I mean, I'm sure you have a bunch of films and you keep a probably on a list of ones that you have not been able to track down. I think I even Correct. heard you yeah. like mention one or two before on some of your videos, but mm-hmm. what are like sort of holy grail list of like, what are the ones that for whatever reason you can't see and you want to, and it's almost a shock that you can't see it? Well, I think anything in the 90s that I can't find and watch is flabbergasted. Like, because I thought you would have like a hard time finding something from like, say, the 70s or something, but apparently not yeah no absolutely like there have been unwatchables through the decades but the older the movies you know okay that makes more sense like a television release that was seen one week and then everybody forgot about it because it wasn't super popular that makes sense you know like a boy called nothing and the secret of the pond like that makes sense that i might not be able to find these movies the the funny thing is when we were kids and watching the wonderful world of Mm -hmm. disney and they would offer up some of their releases and show you a part here and a part there and yeah i didn't know what they were i just watched them so i could have ended up seeing some of these and not even know that i was yeah yeah absolutely um so like those two titles i i have no idea what they are those movies, not being able to find those makes complete sense to me. Like, I'm sure some, like, historian who collects all of these has them somewhere, and I've been in contact with some people who've been able to get me some. Like, I had someone mail me a DVD version of a movie I wasn't able to find from England because it was released on DVD in England. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so incredible. Like, I've had people do that kind of stuff, and I've actually had, like, another heartwarming story is I've had someone find the track of the snow bear for me and i was able to watch it and do like look i found this here's the rewatch of it blah blah blah. i had someone contact me whose grandfather in alaska helped with that movie and was in the movie who hasn't seen it since it came out and was like oh my gosh if you could find a way for me to get this movie i would love to show it to my grandfather like all this kind of stuff. Like, it's so incredible what the project has been able to do. Well, I think that's one of the things, again, that fascinated me. And of course, clearly, I'm not the only one. There's like people, you know, all over the country that when it comes to Disney, mm-hmm. right, good, bad, or indifferent, their movies, like everything else about them, they touched each and every one of us at some point in our lives and they stick together like memories you know Mm -hmm. and so when you get a chance to look back and so for me it's like what the 70s because those that's the time where i saw almost everything that was being put out in the theater and even if they're terrible now when you watch it it helps bring back those memories of that was another big thing like there would be people you know commenting on some of my videos who would 
be, you know, I get where you're coming from, but this film holds such a nostalgic place for me. And I would come back and be like, oh my goodness, like I can completely understand how nostalgia would play a factor in you enjoying a movie or not. Oh yeah, I mean, it's- I'm seeing it for the first time at 26 years old in 2019, you know, like- Yeah. I'm not living off of a very vague memory that brought me so much joy and then seeing it and being like, okay, it's not great, but I still have like a place for it in my heart. You know, like I can totally understand how that plays a factor. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, when I, if I, if I popped on uh, to Disney plus and sat down and watched Gus uh, as I did as a young adult and I was like, oh my goodness, this is the worst. Like, look at this really bad rear projection that they're like, I didn't realize the whole football stadium was that way. Um, and they were just filming it in the closet. And yet I still can make a separation from the little child who was taken by his parents to see it. Uh, at a theater at night, which we didn't do too often, and sat in this crowded theater and watched Gus and thought it was the greatest. Wow. Yeah. You know, and so those are the nostalgic memories, but I'm also, you know, I'm a film guy and I, I'm realistic yeah. that these movies don't <laughs> hold up. Though I will have one, I have one little disagreement with you, and Ooh. that is in the Dexter Riley series. Oh. Uh, as a kid, mm-hmm. the first one that I re- was conscious of uh-huh. remembering seeing, because my parents told me that I saw um, Now You See Him, Now I Don't. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when it was like maybe at the drivers or something, but I was must have been like two. The Strongest Man in the World, I saw before the computer wore tennis shoes. Oh, and. Yep. I thought The Strongest Man in the World was the greatest. I kept on wanting my Fruity Pebbles to mm-hmm. be the magic formula that was going to make sure. me super strong. And I'd ride my like bike around the neighborhood thinking I was like going to be Dexter Riley. Yeah. And I don't think I had a knowledge at the time at how little Kurt Russell was in that movie. Yeah, yeah. And I thought that was interesting. You pointed it out that he's not even, you know, the main guy in the film. Um, I think also for like that trilogy or a lot of series really in general, the first one you see might end up being your favorite. Even though actually for me, I think the sequel in that trilogy is my favorite. Yeah, I think Now You See Him, Now You Don't might be my favorite. Oh, you think that one's your favorite? I think so. Yeah, I think that one was pretty hilarious and perfect honesty. Like them disappearing made me laugh a lot. I just remember seeing it much later and mm-hmm. the strings, even before computer graphics could take for you, yes. it was like, wow, I mean, that's pretty noticeable. <laughs> well, no strings are more noticeable than in the un- unidentified flying all doll. Those strings are just atrociously visible. I only remember seeing the movie and the title, but I don't remember the film at all. I think it had a catchy song, too. It's kind of like um, a kid in King Arthur's Court. That was right. They Didn't they rename, actually, for t- they renamed it on Disney's TV showings. I just covered a kid in King Arthur's Court. I remember also being disappointed by the later films in the Herbie series because I oh. loved the love bug and love bug <laughs> yeah. returns. And then when you get to when you get to Monte Carlo and Herbie goes bananas. Yeah. Mm. Uh, the love bug is great. Dean Jones, again, I just I have so much love for some of the old actors that were on contract that they used often. Um, and Dean Jones is great in the love bug. It's probably not my favorite role of his for them, but he was so good at it. And then it's the second one or the third one that he's not in. And it's Ken Barry. Yeah. Right, which is true. He's in the Shaggy DA, right? No. Dean Jones is in Shaggy DA. Dean Jones is in the Shaggy DA? Yes. Yes. I thought Ken Barry. No, Ken Barry, I think, has only done the one movie. He did the Herbie, you know, Goes Bananas or Rides Again, whatever. Dean Jones is also in No Deposit, No Return, right? No. What? No Deposit, No Return is um the guy who's always in the Apple Dumpling Gang. Don Knotts? 
Yes, Don Knotts. And then the other guy, oh, this is going to make me mad. Um, the other guy, No Deposit, No Return, is super famous. <laughs> well, David Niven? Yes, David Niven. Thank you. Um, those are the two in No Deposit, No Return. I don't believe Dean Jones is in it, although I could be wrong. It's been a minute. You are like correct. He, he Dean Jones is in the Shaggy DA, and the following year, Herbie goes to Monte Carlo. Yes. But then by the time the bananas came, <laughs> he was out of there. I've, who's even oh it's uh it's the one guy in never cry wolf it's uh, charles martin smith and then some unknown guy never cry wolf wow that's and that that's is a disney so movie good. right because that yes. was a little bit of a departure because they were trying yes. to so what was happening in the early 80s is and this is why touchstone came about is they were trying yeah well they were getting a bad brand because kids that grew up with them in the 70s like myself it was now like, oh, I can't see a Disney movie. That's not cool. Yeah. Well, Disney was trying so hard to do like teen movies, like Midnight Madness was their attempt. At, that like, was a Disney movie? Yes. <laughs> it's I kind of so, like that. <laughs> so Michael J. Staple. Fox's like first film. Like he, uh, Midnight Madness. I mean, for what they were trying to do, it's terrible. Well, it was hardly released. I only saw it on like HBO and then it like played yeah. constantly. <laughs> I watched that movie with my mom. She was the guest in that video and it's just hilarious <laughs> to see Michael J. Fox with braces. Just, it was amazing. But they were trying so hard to make like Super Dad and Midnight Madness and movies like that where they were trying really hard to make movies for teens, but they also wanted it to be family friendly. So they didn't include like, you know, concepts that would be right. in movies that teens were enjoying, like Caddyshack. Exactly. Right. So they would crash and burn. Well, the game was changing, but they couldn't, they weren't, right. they weren't keeping up. I mean, you know, everything changed when the VCRs came out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Laserdisc. Well, there was a lot of films when I was little that my parents weren't going to take me to in the theater. Sure. But, as soon as we had a VCR, for some reason, they had no problem renting them for me. That's cool. Yeah. So I had a naughty, naughty um, adolescence. <laughs> I, I watched this uh, video that you did. And the reason why I watched it, because it reminds me of the kind of films that Disney used to make. They're a little daring, maybe uh -huh. not as kid friendly, a little dangerous. And it was beautiful looking and it bombed. And that's what, why they never cry wolf. No, it's you're, you're sort of in the ballpark. It says why they stopped making these types of films. But I uh -huh. saw this in the theater with my uh, he's not here with us right now. But Teal, it was 1993, a far off place. Yes. <laughs> and here's the thing. We both were fans already. Uh -huh. We were like, we were like, we think this Reese Witherspoon is going to go places. And she was in the film. And mm -hmm. then cinematographer Michael Solomon was doing it. So mm -hmm. we're like, oh, he's getting to direct. So we wanted to check this out because we're film geeks. So this is the things that we sure, were. Yeah, but here's the third reason. And this is why I'm mentioning this one. Mm -hmm. We were both living in L.A. at the time. Uh -huh. uh, very briefly, I went out there to you know seek my fame and fortune in the film industry. <laughs> what a bit! <laughs> and it was you know it was a re really not. Uh, we both got out of there pretty quick. But while Same. we were there, March '93, mm -hmm. we went to see it. At, they had just refurbished. Disney did. They bought a theater in Hollywood. They refurbished it, the El Capitan. No way. And. I don't know if you've ever been able to go to the El Capitan. I've never been in it, but I've definitely been on Hollywood Boulevard outside the El Capitan. The El Capitan, it was the most amazing movie palace experience we'd ever been in. It was oh, shocking. Sure. It was so gorgeous. We were like the only two people seeing this thing. And we saw it opening day. And mm -hmm. we were like, oh, this isn't going to do well because no one's here. 
the theater has like five curtains different colors and lights and they pull them up in there and you just feel like you're in the movie palaces of old it was great but i thought of that and i was like you know this is like the the movie experience Mm -hmm. and even though i for years couldn't even think of what the name of the movie was Mm -hmm. i remember the experience of seeing it oh yeah it's a good movie yeah like, I liked it. I, would you reminded me in the video of like, I didn't remember anything other than she gets lost. And yeah. the fact that it starts off She's so pretty horribly. cool in that movie. Yeah, she yeah. She kicks some butt. I know. <laughs> she blows up a Jeep. It's fire. But the whole thing with the with the elephant poachers and cutting yeah. the tusks oh my and God. stuff. And then, then they get killed. It was crazy. Yeah. I was like, oh my goodness. It's a lot of death right at the beginning of that movie. Yeah. So, you know, it's just, again, it's fascinating that was a whopping four parent deaths. We love when that happens. <laughs> <I> know. <laughs> you know, so I, well, again, what I think what you do is just is super cool. And obviously, you know, you must be getting good reactions to it because you continue to do it uh, after four years. You know, you must enjoy it, but it might be hard at times mm-hmm. to keep the momentum up, I imagine. Or is it, or maybe it isn't. I definitely go through cycles, I like to call them, where it's like, Oh, no one likes it. I have to quit, which is crap. It's definitely my head more than anything. It's me being like, I need to improve. I need to always be doing, finding something new to do. And so yeah, so it's all me putting it on myself. Um, And then I go through like, oh my God, I love this so much. It's amazing. Like, (laughs) you know, and, uh, but Sometimes I'll go through like, oh, I don't, I really, really don't want to make a video this week. Like, I just don't want to do it. I want to break and stuff like that. But I think since finding my schedule of being a month ahead and only having to do two videos a week, because before that, I was like, I was a maniac. I would do like four videos a week. Wow. And it, and then on top of having like the part time job, I was having at the same time, it, and then helping my family with like babysitting and all that kind of stuff. It piled on, and it would make me very like stressed out. But then once I got a month ahead, and then was just doing two videos, it like completely cured a bunch of stress I was having. So yeah, because the trick is that you need to make it feel to the end product to the person watching effortless. And oh, they shouldn't yeah. they shouldn't know like what goes on behind the scenes of how much work is involved because yeah. when I watch them, I mean I know a little bit because I do a podcast and I also uh I edit podcasts on the side for a living. Sure. And I know how much is involved and the time and consumed, but I'm sure yeah. not everybody who watches they just you know, because you got graphics and quick editing. I mean, you do a lot of production, <laughs> I think. Yes. Thanks. And it must have evolved over time, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, when I first started the project, I thought the best way to do it was to do more than one movie in a video and to only, like, make funny comments. Right. And so I think I have, like, five videos where I cover, like, maybe five to ten movies in each video. So. I've seen, yeah, I've seen one where it was like a, you know, it was like a combination one. Yeah, and then it went from there to like, no, that's actually way more work because then for one video, I have to watch like 10 movies and that's <laughs> no way. Yeah. So then it became that Jan- – so August of 2016 is when I started. And then by January of 2017, I started doing the two videos a week, uh, one movie, one video. And uh, th- it was more like I didn't do the research I do, like – I wasn't saying it. it's directed cinematography, editing, music, and writing by, and it stars these people, and the production, blah, blah, blah. Like, I didn't do any of that. I would watch it, and 
I actually got a lot of comments about how I spoke too fast. So I've slowed down a bit since I covered the 70s movies for sure. But I'm definitely still really fast just because it's a lot of information. And there are some videos I have that are like 40 minutes long. And if I don't speak at least relatively quickly, they'd be like an hour and a half. Yeah, no, no, it makes sense. And I like it. Like, you know, again, I, I like your whole style and approach. Thank you. People will might just tune in because they want to hear about a, a movie mm-hmm. that they've like, you know, again, like I came in, I came for Child of Glass. I stayed for you. Oh, thank you so much. You know, and that's what I think is really cool. It's like, hi, oh, you know, I respect the project. I yeah. love that devotion. Yeah. And I know thank that you. at times being devoted to something like that can have its ups and downs. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I always get like. Sometimes it can get a little stale because it's like the same formula, but then like I'll get a new idea about something. (laughs) So like there are two videos in my entire um, plethora that have like I did like a romantic montage of people I shipped in the movie and or like (laughs) um, I started doing when I did the real rewatch series of the animated movies that didn't get covered the way I cover uh, movies in depth now. I started doing this thing. People had been saying like, oh, you should compare like movies to their original book or their original fairy tale. And I was like, that's a really good idea. So um, I started this whole segment where if it's based on a book or an original, like a fairy tale, I will dramatically. (laughs) I liked what you did with The Little Mermaid. Yeah, that's exactly what I like. I dramatically reenact the plot. Because coincidentally, Mm -hmm. my wife, for whatever reason... It was like not too, it was like a day or so after I watched your video on that, mm-hmm. she decides to put that on, on Disney Plus, and it wasn't one of the films. I mean, I was an adult when that came out. Yeah, absolutely. I, I did see it in the theater because I was I was at school mm-hmm. in New York City mm-hmm. when it came out in 89. Mm-hmm. It was a big deal because the critics were suddenly saying, Disney's back. This isn't the kind of animated films they've been doing. This is the yeah. kind of animated films they used to do, but there's this added feature yeah. where they have it's not like some cheesy song. There's like really good songs in this movie. So I was yeah. intrigued as a film student yeah. and saw it in uh, 70 millimeter up in uh, upper Manhattan. Oh yeah, I saw Nice. Uh, uh, the year but the year later was really the crowning achievement with Beauty and the Beast because I saw that in New York City in 70 millimeter and the clarity and sharpness of the picture and the six track sound of it was so phenomenal that i was blown away had a bigger budget because a little mermaid (laughs) the animation department was at the brink of being disbanded like it just with black cauldron doing so terribly saw that in the theater too the animation you know department was moved to a building off of a lot like they were in some whole trailer in glendale and oliver and company started a little bit of buzz because you know 1988 oliver and company like was fun and jazzy and people were like oh like they might be you know improving they may be onto something and then little mermaid almost didn't happen because jeffrey katzenberg said it was a girl movie and girl movies don't do as well as boy movies <laughs> and everyone Jeffrey. at the studio was like you're out of your mind and then Jeffrey Katzenberg wanted to cut part of your world Howard Ashman was like uh, uh, no <laughs> and so um and then uh yeah it came out and it obviously like re- like it saved the animation department so then they you know completely threw themselves like they did rescuers down under which came out in 90 and that was the first sequel they had ever done and released in theaters, animated-wise, obviously. 
it didn't do well as a sequel. So they're like, oh, okay, so we're not doing those anymore until then Toy Story 2. But then they were working on Beauty and the Beast and Beauty and the Beast when it came out in 91, obviously was a complete game changer. Like people still think they haven't topped Beauty and the Beast. I mean, you know, topping. I mean, now it's all changed. I I would love to see them go back to a traditional animated film. I mean, the last one was what, Princess and the Frog, right? Oh my God, me too. So Princess the Frog uh, was definitely, yeah, 2D hand-drawn. Like, the, it was 2009. One point in this program, you already said, you know, you, you, were, you were born in 93. So a lot of these classics you didn't see upon original release. Correct, yeah. What was the first big Disney movie you recall seeing in the theater? Oh my God. I'm sorry, was I? You didn't expect that question was coming? I, I, I have a terrible memory about these things. Um... Well, you may not remember. I mean, what 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 one do you remember? I saw a lot of Disney movies on VHS in my living room. Like that was just how I saw a lot of them. Well, that's a different generation, right? You you grew right. up seeing things differently. I mean, for some reason, the only movies I like from when I was that little remember seeing in theaters is Harry Potter. Like that changed my life. So that's interesting. Yeah, I whew, I love Harry Potter. I remember every single one of them in theaters, just except the first one because I saw the first one at home. I don't know. I I can definitely remember specific Disney movies affecting me a lot in theaters, but I definitely couldn't tell you one of my first Disney theater like memories. It's okay. I forgive you. (laughs) Thank you. Um, But I definitely remember like there was a series of films. So it was like Inside Out, well, Frozen and then Inside Out and The Good Dinosaur all came out like relatively close to each other. But Frozen, I just like I saw that with my brother and with my mom. Like when it turned out to be like sisterly love, like I was a sobbing disaster. And my brother was like, are you going to make it? And I was like, I honestly don't think so. Like I something is wrong. And then Inside Out, when they taught like the lesson ended up being you have to feel your sadness to get through it. And I I didn't expect that to be the lesson. I was another sobbing mess. And then the good dinosaur, it was like in sequential order. I just started being like a sobbing mess at Disney movies in the theater. Now, see, I didn't like The Good Dinosaur. Um, that's a very common opinion, yeah. actually. But uh, I wholeheartedly disagree. I love The Good Dinosaur so much. So you 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 spent some time in California. Um, I did. As we all do, uh, one time or another. And, <laughs> and that just want to bring me to like Disney movies. I feel like there's this connection to the world and land that we all, if you're big Disney movie fans, you're also very connected to the mm-hmm. resorts and i think from what i've read about you uh, or i should say watched on your videos that <laughs> you also have a connection to the disney resorts that you really really like them but i don't know whether it's both or are you more of a disney world person versus disneyland person i mean i think if i had to choose between disney world and disneyland i'd pick disney world mostly because it's the one i went to the most so cuz you're like in that you know you're 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 in the chicago area so your family yeah. really could go to either one Right. And my, I think because we were a little bit closer to Florida, because, you know, we just that's the one we went to. Also, I think when I was really young, my dad's company like had a thing in Florida. So like, oh, we were all just like introduced to Disney World. So then it just became like a that's where we went. Um, and I didn't go to Disneyland until I lived in California. And I love it. I love Disneyland. There's definitely a different atmosphere because it's like the first and it's just like got that 
you know, original magic spark and stuff. And it's got different, it's got some different stuff going on, which is really cool. That's what I think I like about it. I mean, I, it's not that I have a, pre- but for me, I just happened to, when I used to live in Arizona for a while, mm-hmm. when we had our first child, it was one of those things where that was like a five hour drive and we had relatives that are in Orange County. So we could totally go there. And so we did like once a year. And then it just seems to be that our travels take us to California more than they ever do to Florida. And I have not Mm -hmm. been to the Disney World to actually go to the resort. Really? Since I think 97. Oh. I know. I feel like there's so much down there. I know. (laughs) I heard it gets, you know, again, one of the things about the internet is actually made it easier for people to book trips and i feel like from what i hear it's super crowded like every single day there and that's you know it's ridiculous (laughs) but just you have to go during quote unquote off season if there really even is one anymore i think that window is much smaller oh yeah absolutely it's definitely it's like between christmas and new year's basically um and of course once you have kids it's very hard because of school and stuff you know yeah absolutely so normally when i go to disney world it's like with my family so it's always like a whole family shindig where disneyland i went to with my friends so it was a very different experience because i grew up in the chicagoland area so like i would go to like six flags you know right and i'd go to six flags with my friends so going to disneyland felt very similar to like going to Six Flags because I was able to like just hang out with my friends and have a good time. So Disneyland is like where I stayed till one in the morning on a Saturday and it was so cool. That bucket list of yours. Yeah. Staying till 1am. Yeah. Where like if you go to Disney World, it's I'm always with my family. So it's always like, okay, what what does everybody want to do? And we're definitely not staying until 1am on a Saturday. Like that's Plus, if you said, uh, I think you said that you've never stayed at one of the Disney parks. I've never stayed at a Disney hotel. Yes, that's true. So, of course, then you have to leave. So the idea of staying to one and then going off to where, you know, back to the car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, like, going back to whatever hotel we're staying at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, as far as the the land doesn't have, obviously, the hotels that, that uh, Disney World has. I did, before we moved back east, we did take a quick, like, you know, two-day trip to Disneyland. And part of it was, okay, we're going to stay at the hotel. Because we, oh, cool. we had a, like a baby and, you know, a four-year-old and we thought, well, we could get more out of it. And I've always wanted to do that. I wanted to stay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you don't spend that much time in the hotel room. So, like, what does it really matter? But it was nice. It was nice and it was gorgeous and it was themed out. This past January, we went to Disney World and as we were leaving, we were somehow we got on the subject of staying at one of the Disney hotels and we found out That, like, if you buy the right package, you can get so many benefits of staying at the hotel. And we were kind of like, oh, okay. (laughs) Oh, the right package and the right price. You can get anything you want. (laughs) Yeah, so we were thinking um, next time we decide to go to Disney World down the line, obviously, because no thank you during this corona time, that we might might, uh, actually commit and stay at a Disney hotel, which would be so exciting. Yeah, I mean, obviously, when I first went to Disney World, that was the first one I went to, was 1980. So Epcot was still being built. 
And then they only had two, I think there was only two big hotels. And they're mm-hmm. still the coolest, I think, is the Polynesian and the the contemporary. Is that what they call it? You're asking the wrong person about that. Well, the one that, well, it's the one that the, it's the one that the monorail goes right through. Yeah. Yeah. The one that monorail goes through. Yeah. Like, I want to stay at a hotel where a monorail goes through. Yeah. Well, and then like, I can just hop on the monorail and end up in Magic Kingdom. Are we kidding? And now they have the skyline. I don't even know what that is. What? So normally, so, you know, like the monorail only runs to Epcot, the hotel and to Magic Kingdom and then to parking or whatever. Yeah. And then to go to any other park. So like Magic Kingdom or Epcot, you'd have to take a bus to Animal Kingdom and Hollywood Studios or back then MGM Studios if you're a true i went there in 93 i have been to mgm studios when it was mgm studios for sure you had to take a bus well now i mean there's still buses but they have this skyliner and it's like a ski lift basically oh but enclosed and you can go from magic kingdom or epcot to hollywood studios or animal kingdom and animal kingdom to hollywood studio all of them via like this skyliner subway thing it's like a subway system it's like a ride in itself it is it's so cool we were like oh my is this what was under construction last year because we went in 2019 and then we went this year and we were like is this what like was under construction that whole time oh my goodness and we got in it and it's like it takes you to a hub basically like a switch like you know like if you take the subway in new york or in you know chicago and you transfer to your line and like it was so cool um and there's just i mean it is just such an experience there but you know what i've at least got to go to the land and one of the things i got to do oh, yeah, absolutely was go to the star wars world and that was really amazing yeah wow galaxy's yeah. edge in uh disney world is also incredible so you did go you have seen you we been did there. in january we in hollywood studios it was pouring Oh, no. So we were like, okay, why don't we just like go see Galaxy's Edge and then we can like get out of here because Toy Story Land and Galaxy's Edge were both new and there was no way like the lines were like three hours and the other ones that you need boarding passes for were all gone. And, you know, so there was like, like, there's no way we're going to get on anything, but like, let's at least go see it because it's a newer one. So it's going to be really immersive. And uh, we went back there and it is it's stunning how like accurate and just immersive it is. Well, that's the best part about uh, Disney World and Land is the rides are great, but yeah, the experience of walking around when you go to one of these lands, you really do feel like you're in some magical other world, you know? Absolutely. Uh, it's like in Disneyland, which I don't think they have this in World, and it was really cool when it first opened, and my son was because this is his generation. He grew up with the Cars movies, like those. Oh were yeah, his the favorite. Cars ride at California Adventure Six. Car Land is insane. At nighttime, you just yes. feel like you've yes. got put into the movie. The neon lights <sighs> and the the cones where you can get all different flavors of like popcorn and like all those things. So good. Yes. Um, and then I'm a, I'm a traditional land person as well because for, oh, yeah. for my wife and I, like we love the adventure land the best. Um, I still mm-hmm. love going to the Jungle Cruise at night because uh, cool. it feels a little bit more realistic. <laughs> Yeah. Um, which, by the way, the little thing is that with all of that's happened with the pandemic and all the movies that have been postponed or canceled, mm-hmm. like, it's hard to forget that uh, this summer we were going to have the Jungle Cruise movie. I know. It's crazy. Well, I am so glad they dumped Artemis Fowl on Disney Plus because I didn't waste money on that movie. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I, I didn't watch your review, but I heard it wasn't very good. I heard they altered the, the story from the books 
And my wife wanted to watch it anyway. She watched it with the youngest. They got through like 20 minutes and I came back downstairs because I had no interest. And they're like, I'm like, what are you, why are you watching something else? They're like, it wasn't very good. Yeah. Uh, I was excited because I grew up, I read the books. I loved the Artemis Fowl books. And uh, I, I actually haven't made a video review about that movie because I'm going in order, but I did tweet. <laughs> I live tweeted as I watched it. And <laughs> oh my, I was so disappointed. Like Kenneth Branagh, I loved the Cinderella live action remake and he directed that. So I've always had hopes for him, but like he directed the first two Thor movies and those weren't very good. Yeah, I know. And then now he, he's directed Artemis Fowl, which was atrocious and they should be ashamed. He's a guy, he really will take a paycheck. I mean, like, but what's so disappointing is like his, like Much Ado About Nothing and Hamlet that he has directed and been in I know. are so amazing. And then Cinderella was so magical. <laughs> Like, I'm so disappointed in him for his... Well, there you go. See, we, we, we've come full circle because I asked you what yes. you were disappointed by. And I know That's it wasn't... True. There's one That's of them. It's true. Artemis Fowl was... I was definitely went in with high hopes and was very disappointed. There we go. We found the movie. You have answered a lot of questions for me because I wanted to know about, like, you know, how... Like, there must be a temptation, right? When there's some new content on Disney Plus that you want to review those. But say, like the Hamilton movie, you do count that as a Disney film, right? Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. And you probably have watched it, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> of course, you know, like, yes, I have. Well, you know, what's funny is that my, my wife has been obsessed with Hamilton for years. And when it came to Chicago, which I think it's still there. Well, not now, but, you know, it's well, yeah. on hiatus. Mm -hmm. Her mom mm -hmm. had a conference she had to go to. She flew uh, my wife for a birthday there and uh, the two of them went and saw the Hamilton. So, Oh, that's awesome. I saw it in Chicago as well. I would like to see. Now, of course, after I see the the movie of it, I wanted to see the production even more because mm -hmm. I'd been hearing the record for months and months and months and I couldn't make all the connections. But then mm -hmm. when you watch it and you see how it all fits together with the actual actors singing it and performing it. Yeah. Uh, it really, it's I'm like, oh, I want to see it. Okay. Look, I'm not going to keep you forever. I'm just... <laughs> But here it is. It's all good. But I feel like I've like probably only scratched the surface and there's like a thousand things that I like <laughs> afterwards. I'll be like, oh my goodness, I blew it. I blew it. I blew it. I blew it. I didn't ask for this. So hopefully, hopefully if you had a good time, which you can lie to me now and say you did and then later be like, oh my God, that was awful. Um, <laughs> that you'll want to come back on yeah. and we can talk some more. Absolutely. Um, because like I said, by then I'll have figured out a thousand things I didn't ask you and should have. <laughs> but now is the time on the show where I want to hear some plugs so that if people are like, I totally got to check this Jess Lambert out, where do I go? Give me all the plugs. Oh, okay. Well, on any social media, I'm Jess Lambert 19. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and most importantly, YouTube. My YouTube channel does cover every Disney movie ever, but I also do a lot of other fun stuff like vlog. Every Christmas I do Vlogmas. You can find me on TikTok, technically, but I don't really do anything on there. <laughs> if you have any Disney movie-related questions, you can email me at everydisneymovieever at gmail.com. Um, yeah, check out my channel. Right now, we're doing Celebration Month. The 400th is at the, on the 28th. The four-year anniversary video is on the 29th. And there's a lot of bonus content on my Patreon. If you want to go join that, I do. You can request a movie on Patreon that isn't Disney, and I'll cover it the way I cover Disney movies. Oh, that's pretty cool. So you can head over to Patreon and do that. But also lots of fun bonus stuff goes on over there. I do, you know, interviews and Q&As and live streams and vlogs. And, and here's my own personal plug of it. Disney, listen, 
I know you're out there. Yeah, you're probably going to be like, oh, what, what does James want now? Well, this is what I want, okay? I want you to check out Jess's channel. And then you should be thinking about how can we put her on Disney Plus doing this? Because it's really a cool concept. And, um, you know, again, she's, you know, that you might have to like, uh, you'll probably have this whole Disney set of rules that she'd have to follow. But I just, <laughs> you know, I mean, if anything, give her a pass to the um, to Disneyland and then give me a pass, but then also give us a pass to Club 33 because that's like my bucket list. Oh, it's always, yeah. It always has to come back to what, what I want. And I want to go to that restaurant. I'm obsessed with it. Club 33. Absolutely. So someday that's where you, Disney, are going to have Jess and myself for a lunch or a dinner. <laughs> Sounds good. I'm in. Yeah. I mean, I've been to the Blue Bayou many times. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not talking about that. Okay. I've been there, but I no, would like Club to go to Club exclusive. 33. Yes. That is my bucket list. <laughs> I'll be Absolutely. happy. And I'm, I'm running out of time. I've only got about 30 or so years left. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Disney let James eat at Club 33. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, come on, Disney. But anyway, this has been, for me anyway, it's been amazing. Oh, my God. I am so honored. You're incredible. Thank you so much. I mean, it's just like, again, I mean, I'm sure there's people out there that will be like, that is, sounds like the worst endeavor ever. Well, I think it's one of the greatest endeavors ever. <laughs> Thank you. It's like a Mount Everest type of thing to actually see every Disney movie where, again, I thought like maybe there's like, you know. 100 or something, not 800. Yeah, that's another. People will contact me and be like, I was starting this project and then I found your channel and you have covered movies I've never even heard of. Where did you get your list? And I'm like, ah, uh, yes. I'm, I mean, again, I think that if you were somebody who wanted to take this challenge, you could take an easier challenge and just go like straight theatrical release and you'll be done a lot quicker, I guess. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But of course, like I said, she's giving you the touchstone. She's like, I don't want it. You take it. Yeah, go, please. Please cover Splash and Pretty Woman and Roger Rabbit. Yeah, you want to go that route? There you go. And then, you know, you can contact me and I'll put you on and we can talk about Touchstone, every Touchstone movie ever. There you go. Anyways, uh, and for you, the listener, please subscribe to my channel, which is just stuffweseen.com. It's a, it's a website where all our episodes are at, but it's also on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you know, all those places. So I don't care how you find us, just find us and subscribe to us so that you get all the episodes. And please check out Jess Lambert's uh, YouTube page and her cool project, Every Disney Movie Ever. Ever! Thank you. Thank you. You've been amazing. I'm so honored. Well, I already know that. <laughs> <laughs> we love a confident king. Yeah, I'm not. Um, <laughs> uh, but anyways, thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this as much as I did. And go see some stuff, some Disney stuff on your TV, because Disney Plus is going to give you a ton of those 800, not all 800. I've already no. told you that you cannot get to see Watcher in the Woods or Something Wicked This Way Comes. I'm not sure why. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, Jess, later. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.